Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode. Today we sit down with Alex Rybczynski. Alex is a master Czech practitioner and holistic therapist with over 12 years in the field. Uh, as one of the youngest professionals ever to reach the level four training in the Czech Institute, he became part of an elite group of less than 50 practitioners worldwide. Uh, Alex also combines his unique and incredibly vast knowledge in biomechanics, physiology, anatomy, holistic nutrition, physics, ancient shamanic practices, and union psychology for an advanced form of physical programming and clinical therapy rarely experienced under one umbrella. Alex also leads a men's community coaching group, Tribe of Men, weekly in Austin, Texas, and is also the speaker and educator teaching workshops and courses on shoulder rehabilitation, core function, and athletic injury prevention and recovery to enhance physical performance through the balance and optimization of home field energy systems. In addition to all that stuff, Alex also created a sort of like a private social media network uh, called the Primal Pride, and it's about taking pride in what you have to offer this world and asking questions. A big theme in Primal Pride community is asking questions, staying open to input, not not judging each other, but rather doing critical evaluation of each other's work and what you know we all have to bring to the table. So we're going to have an affiliate link for that community if you want to sign up and join them. That affiliate link will be in the description to this episode, so go ahead and click on that and sign up if you're interested. Otherwise, uh, enjoy the show. Hey, so we are back with another episode of the podcast with Alex Ribchinski. Which Matt was wondering the origins of your last name. Yeah, that's a sweet last name. Thank you. Ukrainian. What? Ukrainian. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. I was thinking somewhere in that region, but uh, Ripchinsky, awesome. Yeah. 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 Were you were you born there or yeah. your parents from there? Okay. Born there. What's... Came over to the United States when I was uh, four and a half years old, and then nice. went over to uh, well, we moved to Chicago, and I lived there for twenty two years, I think twenty two or twenty four years, and then. Um, Met Sarah, and moved to Austin. My wife. Hell yeah. yeah my wife. What city? Austin. What city in Ukraine? Uh, Zaporozhye. It's like okay, uh, yeah. south, south Ukraine. Yeah. It's if you look at Kiev, Kiev is on the north side. It's almost completely on the on the south side of Ukraine. So it's uh, near the coast then. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man. Yeah, it's pretty close. We live we lived uh, not too far from from the coast. Awesome. That's that sounds amazing. Beautiful. Well, while yeah. we while we dive into that, uh, we wanted to get your background, mm-hmm. kind of like where where you started. I know you're deep into the Czech Institute. Uh, you're a Czech faculty member, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's let's see that timeline. Like, where where did you start? Did you, have you always had an interest in health and wellness? What has brought you to where you are now, and what are you working on right now? Um. Well, it started with me not doing well in school ever. And, mm. and having to constantly adapt. And I always learned the concepts after the test and then they would sink in a little bit late. So then it would always constantly be this, ah, oh, crap. I, I learned this a week too late and my grades would suffer for it. And I, I, have, I still, you know, I think in two languages. So my, my brain has, still has a problem with converting reading into, into something that's quick. So anytime anything involves reading, it takes me a long time to process the material and uh, to be able to regurgitate it. Um, and then so going through school, my parents were concerned and getting me tutors and things like that. And, and um, when I went into, when I graduated, 
they tried to put me through college, community college, and I started off great. And then my interest kept dropping. I kept going back to work, kept going back to work, kept going back to work. And, um, and I, I, I didn't like college. I didn't like what they were teaching me. It didn't, didn't mean anything to me. And so my parents saw me working out and they thought, do you want to go to personal training school? And I saw, I thought, yeah, my, my, mine as well. I'm already here doing this stuff. Might as well train other people. I got into the school and all the information absorbed into my brain without, without any effort. I was like, well, this is weird. So, um, so then I started training people. And since this, all this information that I'm retaining and from being a, you know, uh, a fat kid growing up to going through high school and starting to work out and then watching how people treat me different after I started leaning up and I'm going, well, what, why is this happening? This is, this is an interesting thing. You didn't want to talk to me now. Now you do. And having this back and forth and of this, like this social construct, I couldn't figure out how to navigate, mm. except the only way is to observe it is the only way I learned at the time to process it properly. So I was left with a lot of questions. So being always athletic, you know, being on my bike since I've been 17 years, uh, seven years old and constantly being outside and being always moving and playing and doing weird things like, you know, jumping off of high things and trying to jump up on things and climbing things. <laughs> And so when I got into personal training school and I and then became a trainer, I thought, you know, I knew a lot of things because my brain worked like my dad's an engineer. So my brain seems to work like an engineering mind and reverse engineering things, and then re-engineering things and then go, oh, that's how it works on a simplistic level. It's not that complicated when you magnify it until I ran into someone that mm. heard about Paul Check and you know, kind of started challenging me on these basic ideas of uh, being a personal trainer. And then after I couldn't wrap my mind around what he was saying and I wanted to know more, I went in and bought $5,000 worth of Paul Check's courses without thinking about it. And, you know, going through the hero's journey about your biggest fans becoming your, uh, you know, arch enemies. And, you know, my parents being like, why are you spending five grand on, you know, courses and spending another three grand on travel and what is this going to be worth it and i'm like it's worth it it's worth it watch 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 and being stubborn i'm naturally stubborn when i want to do something good or bad so i have to be very careful about that um so watching that progress and seeing them like being my critics of like how are you going to make money doing this versus i'm thinking that will come I need to get good at what I'm doing first and then it'll happen. And then watching them sh like want to see their son succeed and having, okay, put that in a compartment and then keep focusing on what I need to do. And then, so as it grew and evolved and then somewhere I heard that, uh, it was a local, uh, trainer that said, you know, Paul is going to drop off the face of the earth and paint on a mountain somewhere for the rest of his life. And that thought, secured my mind into I need to learn everything I can from this guy until he goes to paint the mountains I can never reach him again <laughs> so being 11 years <laughs> later you know he's still around still teaching still doing all these things he's, he's still crushing it still crushing it absolutely and so um you know yeah to the point where he you know came down and married us uh almost what six months ago in October 
Uh, yeah, almost six months, oh, wow. about five months ago. That's he, cool. Yeah, married us on our property. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, there's still a lot of time to learn, you know? So I, I've, I've calmed down and a lot oh, of yeah. what I'm doing is processing that immense amount of information and learning and applying it constantly, applying it, applying it, applying it, where am I weak at applying it and building that up? So there's this, I've attained a ton of knowledge and now I'm applying it over and over and over again, chop wood, carry water all day. How, how, how close yeah, yeah. I stick to that? So, so you, you got in, into the Czech system, you said 11 years ago? Yeah, it's going to be 11 years nice, next, okay. next year. So it's about... Yeah, it was, for me, it was, it was 2015 when I went to HLC1, mm. and that's when the floodgates opened. Yeah. <laughs> that's when I was like, oh, man, what? Like, it just blew my mind, you know, coming from the military and all the physical training and just, like, looking at the body, just purely physical thinking about like whey protein and all that stuff. And then going through HLC one just completely just took the, the lid off. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's still a journey. And like, uh, I'm a practitioner like now, HLC, uh, practitioner one and then Nate's into it as well. Mm-hmm. So we've been, both been on the journey too. And it's awesome. Yeah. It's just continually learning more and you think you learn a bunch and then there's more and then there's more. So it's cool. Yeah. I always, I always tell people, um, and that's actually what, what motivated me to be an instructor. After mm. I got, so I got fired from Lifetime for not listening to anything they were telling me to do. <laughs> they were telling me, you know, stick to the basics, stick to the asking people about their goals, don't ask them about their personal lives and how you can help them. And it drove me nuts. And I go, okay, that's yeah. cool. You stick to that. I'm going to go do what I'm going to do because my focus is helping people. And then when exactly. I got fired from there, um, the floodgates uh, opened up and um, when I started going through the courses, there were things that were told to me that like, hey, you won't really use this, this mu- that much. So I went, okay, I became proficient for the test. And then I'm like, okay, I'll keep using this because I know I'll need it later, but there's not much value in this. Until I got to uh, IMS4, which was previously CP3, and mm. which you have to uh, complete a case study to get into. And it's a very long case study where you have to show proficiency in everything that you've learned and it gets graded by the faculty and then Paul. So I get in there and they show how important the basics are. And I'm like, why didn't they tell me this? And so, um, one of the things is I want people who are coming into any sort of system of Paul's to know like what you're learning is, will build on top of each other. And if you don't integrate everything as you learn, transcend and include, and you think like, oh, that's a lot of information I got from these two courses. Wait till the next level comes. It'll blow your mind apart again. And until then, there's this limiting thing that keeps occurring where you have to either shut the curiosity off and be okay with what you know, or keep learning because there's more and more and more and more. And then on top of once you learn all this, then how do you piece it all together into a, you know, like Nate, you're a chef. How do you take all these ingredients and put them into a recipe that tastes good? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, I was, I was going, I was in college at the time. Um, I was studying integrative healthcare. It was a really good program. And I was interning with a, uh, 
a Czech practitioner. He's a, he's one of our mentors uh, here in, in Colorado. He's a CP3, owns his own gym. And going through these courses and seeing the instructors and how just grounded and solid and like how how intelligent they were and how how they could just connect with people and then i would see doctors <laughs> and like healthcare professionals and i'm like man these czech practitioners are so much like beyond you guys you know and that's when i was like you could there's the college route and then there's like you know going through czech and going through different certifications and like learning learning from the masters themselves and i think it's both are definitely important but yeah, the Czech system is just beyond anything. And that's one thing I've noticed from all the instructors is just how grounded and how well they can teach and articulate the message and the knowledge. Yeah. So yeah, n- nothing but respect for the Czech system. Well, and it's earned the recognition of many people in the industry, which is why like so many people, like they look at college and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, I need to go to college because it's recognized or it's accredited. Well, the Czech Institute is now like anyone who's kind of in the know is like, oh, okay, you're a you're a CB3, like, all right, like, yeah, you know your you're, shit. You know and, your shit. And so. you can't become a, like, you could be the most unhealthy person and still be a doctor, but you cannot be a CP3 or even an exercise, check exercise coach and be unhealthy. You know, it's like, and I think that's the thing is you got to walk the walk, you know, and that's one thing that our healthcare system doesn't really have standards for. Mm-hmm. They just kind of let you be a doctor, even if you're unhealthy. Yeah. And that's, it's wild. Yeah. And so, you can go smoke cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Like, <laughs> so you when did you get involved with the faculty with Paul Check? Um, I started inquiring about three years ago, and I officially got onto the apprenticeship uh, last year. I did my first apprenticeship um, last last year, twenty twenty, and then um, I have two more apprenticeships, which will be happening in our in our gym in our facility here in Austin. So um, nice. by the end of uh, 2021, I will be a full-blown teacher for the institute or faculty for the institute. Amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah you're, I mean, your you're property down there, I got the opportunity to see it a few weeks ago, and it's super cool what you have going on. So you want to break down everything that's happening, like what it's turning into? Yeah, so we got five acres, five and a quarter acre in Austin that backs up to a massive forest. We're in the back of a neighborhood. Um, Damn, and uh, I have a, I have I have dr- many dr- dreams for this to make this uh, uh, self sufficient and implement biodynamic farming. I already started with my greenhouse, so I have a greenhouse that's that's growing my vegetables. Um, we built our facility, our twenty two hundred fifty square foot facility on on site, so that way you know what the problem I've been running into is you know I I have a lot of people that come where you know we used to live in a subdivision and coach out of our house and there were some people come in that you would recognize you know from tv or whatever the case was and uh i couldn't take them into my yard or and do some tai chi with them i can't take them rock stacking even though i had some rock stacks and you know that i could take with me people would recognize them and so i couldn't give them that full experience Mm. disconnect him from the jungle that they were you know a part of and so now we pretty much sink all of our resources into this property so we can provide people a way to disconnect and, and show them how powerful nature really is and how loud silence really is. So, you know, and getting people into that space long enough allows them to, as an example, when people come here and sleep here, 
the, one of the first things they say is, man, I sleep so good here. <laughs> and wow, I, I poop so well here. And, you know, my body feels so good <laughs> here. And you could feel the energy coming off of this place. And, you know, while we're nodding our heads, we're thinking, yep, that's why the rock stacks are where they are. That's why the land is organized the way they are. That's why the trees are, I'm constantly walking around, trimming, making sure all the trees are okay because as they're healthy, the vibration of the land raises. And so they're feeling the unseen work that Sarah and I have been piling into this place. And it's cool because even though we don't say it, except right now I'm saying it, without us sharing that, people come in, they're like, something feels different about this little plot of land, you know? And there's so many special things that we found out that like the, uh, I can't remember if it was five or six Native American tribes that overlapped the area that we were in. So we, there were, um, mm. so there's a lot of peace and violence, but this is where the, the, the epicenter of where they got, they had to get along. <laughs> and, um, Mm. So there's so many special historical things that have, that are in this area that are really nice that we're piecing together going, Oh, that makes sense. You know? Um, but not when we moved here. And so, um, I don't know if we moved here or the land moved us here. So we can't really, you know, uh, discern between the two, but we, mm. we think everything opened up for us to be able to move into this specific place at the specific time. And everything was, and its own divine timing. Um, but yeah, we bring people in here for courses and really deep intensives and get them back into nature. Like I'm growing potatoes right now. And the five people so far that have showed how to grow potatoes, they didn't even know how potatoes grew. So all you know is you buy them at the store and you eat them and you cook them and eat them. But how do they grow? How can you grow them? I want to show that to people so they can you know, my mind was all messed up when I first started doing this. I'm thinking, how can I save money by growing my own food? And then it became, I, I started realizing, well, it's going to cost a lot of money for dirt and planting and seeds and, you know, there's deer, so they're going to eat everything. So how do, how do, how do I, you know, I'm starting to realize that this isn't really a financial thing anymore. It's I'm becoming sovereign with my own food. So that way I can be in control of what goes into my soil and what goes into my body. And, and so I want to be able to show that to people while they're coming in thinking they're, you know, getting their back pain fixed while they're thinking they're getting a shoulder fixed. Um, but then they leave here with way more information than they thought they, they were ever going to come here and get. So that's kind of what we're creating a, um, mm. it's, you think you're coming for one thing, but really we're going to open the conditioning and show you what really is going on with your body and your mind and your emotions and your spirit. Well, that's yeah. That's the whole thing of like teach them what they want, but give them what they need, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, and then they walk away and they're like, "Oh shit, something yes. more happened." Yeah. yeah. Um, so the facility, though the the gym space, is that becoming the new epicenter for Austin Czech Institute stuff or classes? Yeah, all the all the courses in Austin from the Czech Institute are held at our 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 house, our our sanctuary here. That's oh, that's awesome. amazing! Yeah. Sweet. So you're gonna be doing. Like all the HLC exercise coach practitioner stuff, all all those courses. Yeah, anything that comes through Austin, it comes through our our sanctuary here. So we have several yeah. exercise coaches or IMS ones now. So then we have uh, one IMS two. We have several HLCs. We have uh, I think and also HLC one, HLC twos um, running here. So and that's that's this year. Um, 
and then obviously the schedule Damn. for next year isn't even out yet. So, um, that's cool. Yeah, I I have to walk. I get to walk. Yeah, no, that's that's. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I think that's amazing that more like you guys are really teaching more and more people to become practitioners and and lifestyle coaches because that's honestly what we need more. You know, I'm I'm in grad school right now. I'm going for health administration. And so it's like on the business side of healthcare. And we have all this technology, all this money, all this funding going towards these, you know, pharmaceuticals and all these expensive procedures and practices. And we're paying doctors hundreds of thousands of dollars, but chronic disease rates are the highest they've ever been. You know, so it's like business 101. It's like obviously that shit doesn't work. You know, what what does work though are lifestyle coaches. And so I'm I'm trying to propose a model where you know, like the average doctor makes about 150 grand a year and the average amount of time they spend with patients is 16 minutes. So imagine if you had three holistic lifestyle coaches working in, instead of one doctor, you know, so you, instead of paying all these doctors all this money, imagine if we had several doctors per clinic with seven or eight lifestyle coaches that could work with the patient. So the doctor diagnoses, he checks out the patient, he does the blood work, and then he passes that patient on to a holistic lifestyle coach and they could work with them in a medical setting. You know, I really think that that's a model that we need to start working towards because the like people that you train, those are the ones that can connect with people, they can motivate people, they can educate people. Doctors don't do that. that you know, it's, it's very rare to find a doctor that can do that. So. I mean, I'm I'm excited to hear that you're you're building a facility down there because that's definitely what we need. Yeah, it's built. It's already up. It's running. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, that, yeah totally. That it's that it's in the works. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's really cool. It's, that's cool. It also makes me very sad because you know the archetype of the healer. You know, when you get into the uh, the doctor's mind frame, mindset, you know, there's um there's really two people, two kind of archetypes that I see, maybe three. But we're talking about general practitioners. So there's two archetypes that I see, and that's the business person and the healer that go into being a doctor. Mm. And the only person that really wins out of the situation, not with their soul, but is the business person. Because when you get into the profession of being a, a general practitioner or a doctor, you go in with these good intentions if you become a healer. You want to help the world because you know you see pictures of doctors helping people. And then you start going through, you know, you sink two, you know, two hundred k into into your education, and you maybe slowly or quickly oh, yeah. realize Easy. that you aren't going to be doing the things that you want to be doing, and you know your heart no. starts breaking, and you think I'm going to work this beast from within, and then you think, you know, you graduate, and you're like, okay, well, if I open up a private practice. They're not gonna. I can't. I have to pay off all these loans. And if I go work for a hospital, which pays you your loan mm-hmm. back if you contract them with like ten years and you can't leave, you have to follow their system. Mm-hmm. And either way, exactly, you're at the whim of the administrators. Yeah, and either way, your heart's gonna break. Yeah, and the business person that goes into it, mm-hmm. man, I can make 150, 200, 500k a year. That sounds like a good job. All I have to do is, you know, hit the nail on the head with the symptom and give them the right thing. And then they leave. That sounds awesome. Like it sounds like a good memory game. Oh, they came in with this, rash, hit them with this, you know, but they don't make good doctors. They make good business people. And uh, Mm -hmm. that's where the, the well, no, that that is, that is a doctor, like a good, 
Yeah, I mean, a good doctor makes money and he brings money into that hospital or that practice, but a healer actually fixes people and they connect with them and they help them better themselves, you know? So in my opinion, there's a difference between a doctor and a healer and not, and some doctors are healers, you know, but I, I've met a lot of doctors that are just straight up businessmen, doctors. 100%. I think it's like that in every field, you know, you go into, um, you find a mechanic and you're going to find that one guy that hears your car driving and he'll go, oh, I know what it is. Because he's into it. he's into it, you know, and he could he has the skills yeah. to fix it, and he fixes your car, and you're like, whoa, this is great, and you're like, whoa, you pinpointed it and you didn't you didn't overcharge me? He goes, yeah, because it was easy. Mm-hmm. I have a mastery in this, and here it was your timing belt's off. Fix the timing belt. Yeah, your car runs. This is what it cost me. Boom, you know, and then you have a. Uh, you know, you go into a different shop and whoever's just whoever's thinking that they're going to uh, make money being a mechanic, they're learning the process, but they're not into it. And, you know, they may misdiagnose your car or they may f- put something in that shouldn't be there. And then you have you come back or they forgot to tighten up a hose. And so in every profession, I think there's there's people that are really into it. But more often than not, you're going to find maybe I don't know. I'm being generous with this number. Maybe 75 percent of the people aren't working towards mass mastery and i'm being generous because i i don't know yeah that aren't working towards a profession where they're yeah. trying to truly understand what what kind of service and, and offering they're giving to the world and to their clients and patients and um yeah it's that's exactly. that, that's how we're yeah i'm, I'm right? curious where you think that yeah i mean i'm curious where you think that comes from because from my perspective it's it's the way we educate children that divorces them from a desire to learn. So like the pursuit of mastery in something should be built into our education system. But instead we have this like really generalized, excruciating day-to-day life as like a, you know, five-year-old to 18, like most kids hate it. And so it's like, okay, you're, you're teaching a kid to hate learning. Mm-hmm. And so they grow up and like, oh, I guess I'll get in a trade. You make pretty good money doing that. I, I guess I could be a plumber. I guess I could be a chef or a mechanic or, or whatever. I it guess is. I'll be a doctor. <laughs> I guess I'll be a doc. Yeah, like you know, I guess I'll be a lawyer. And very few of them, like you said, actually have the desire of mastery and wanting to pursue and learn and then unlearn the things that they think they know about something. And have that beginner mindset. So I'm curious, what you, where do you think it comes from? Is it part of that, or is there more to it? I, I, I was, you know, the end of my thought was it's the conditioning, and then you took it and perfectly laid, laid this up. A lot of it is conditioning. You know, I'm stubborn, and so I'm a part of me when I go to school. Like for example, I had a math tutor because I didn't understand math, so my mom got me a math professor to teach me how to do math and how to do all these. You know, I, I completely forgot about this until like a year ago, and I was uh, talking about this with my mom, and I remembered the guy, and I was, and he taught me how to do complex math equations in my head by learning how to, you know, break them down. And I'd go to school, and I'd get the answer before anyone else, and they would tell me, "Oh, sorry, you have to write your process down." And then by the time I wrote my process down, other people would have the answer before me, and it would be like little pop quiz questions, you know, like a little challenge game, and I'm like, "This, I already got the answer." What, what, I don't understand what you want me to do. Like, and then I would fail tests because I wouldn't be able to regurgitate the way that they want me to do the uh, uh, write the problem down. And I'm thinking, who cares? I got there. I got there. <laughs> you know. And so a lot of mm. this is conditioning, and um, 
you know, do enough to pass a test or to do enough to score the highest marks. And then you, instead of transcend and include, you transcend and get rid of, you know, how many people like, that's why there's a show called, are you smarter than a fifth grader? Because people forgot the shit that they learned in fifth mm. grade because they don't need to learn that anymore. So they, they got rid of it. And then here they are, these fifth graders going, man, they're smarter than mm. you. Oh, they, they regurg- they've been regurgitating this information and it's fresh in their mind. But you probably don't remember how to do matrixes in, in math anymore because <clears throat> when, do you have to have, when do you ever have to do matrixes unless it's part of your profession? We never do that. Exactly. So I think a lot of this stuff has to yeah. has to has to go was built into the way we learn, consume, and apply information. And you know, you can see this like all over the all over uh, you know Instagram. At least I see it. Oh, why didn't they teach us how to do taxes? How, why didn't they teach us how to write a check? Why didn't they teach us how to cook? Like these things are, mm. we're complaining about them, but at the same time go learn how to write a check. Go learn how to cook. <laughs> go talk to your mom. Oh, and if you guys have a bad relationship, let's work on that relationship. Or if your mom doesn't know how to cook, find a friend that knows how to cook. But then you have all these these masculine men that are too good to cook and they have these conditionings in their mind that like the woman cooks and you're like, well, go starve then. Because clearly that attitude isn't pulling a woman your way. So maybe we should change something. Or <laughs> learn to cook, you know? So there's these things that, you know, yeah. are are built into our hardwire from from how to be a man to how to learn to how to apply things to are you know, basically do enough, not be enough, but do enough to kind of get by. And so this gets repeated over and over and over and over and over again and uh and we become like that as people. And then wonder why we have problems. So how do we So how how do we work to overcome that dogma or some of those like rigid belief structures? You know, like, cause not everyone has the opportunity to have someone older, like a loved one show them the way. So it's like, you almost have to like go on a journey to find it. And like, you kind of have to challenge and like push the envelope and kind of like go outside the box. So step one, right, right from the start is realize I don't know everything. Yeah. That's the first step. (laughs) Step two. If I accept something that I've been doing about myself that isn't working and I want to change my belief, A, I'm not going to die. And B, who cares if I change and if my friends criticize me? Because most people have an attachment to their friends going, well, what if I stop drinking? Well, my friends like me. Well, and I won't have a, re- I, I won't be able to relate to them because they're at the bar. Sounds like you, ha- you need new friends and that's okay. Or I'll give you my experience when I said, I don't want to go to the bar anymore. And I go, if you want to hang out with me, we got to do something different. Most people, half the time went to the bar, half the time they did what I wanted to do. So, so we have to under, understand that it's okay to change our minds because if we're complaining about something but not changing how we think about something or how we feel about something, then, then we're being a victim. And we're sabotaging our own growth and development over the opinions of other people and the other people's comfort zones that we've put them in going, you can rely, I'm going to do these things and I'm going to behave this way. Mm. 
and it because it makes you're friends with me because it makes you feel comfortable. And when I change these things, now we have to reevaluate boundaries, relationships, and know that it's okay to lose friends. And it's okay to change your mind. Yeah, and definitely. you don't owe it to anyone to be a better person. You don't owe it to anyone to do whatever you want to do, make more money, be better at your profession. As long as you're moving in a way that's harm- harmonious to your life, towards your soul, then yeah, tell the people, like, as an example, you know, no, no stress to potheads, but if you're hanging around potheads and you don't want to be a pothead anymore, like, do them a favor and show them the way by doing something else. Do yourself a favor and grow. And guess what? They'll be okay. But at some point, you have to realize if I'm still here while thinking I want to be over there, I have no one to blame but myself. And guess what? If you move, you're, you're, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're still going to be safe. Mm. Nothing about you is going to explode, implode. You may go through a dark night and have to reevaluate all the decisions you have. But in my mind, if I have been thinking something that is flat out wrong, that's why I have no problem changing my mind. If presented enough information properly, I'm always open to learning. Why would I want to op- operate on a faulty operating system and a faulty belief that is limiting me. And if I do want to stay that way, I can't complain Mm. about it. And if you're complaining about it. Yeah. So yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, so I imagine like when you overcome these dogmas, what you're getting at too, is it starts to create or it can create relationship struggles whether it's an intimate partner, a friend, whoever. So what, what are the, some of the tools and tactics to, you know, to maybe not avoid those struggles, but to integrate them and to, like, to actually grow from them? So I may have deviated from the whole dogma structure. And so uh, thanks for bringing not, me back. No, 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 not, no, not too <laughs> so, really. Not really. I think so, you cope so, with it. Okay, awesome. So when, when we go into dogmas, the first thing you want to ask yourself is, is this still working for me? Like if you're a vegan of 10 years, but you're, you can't get your health in order, the first question you have to ask yourself is, is this working for me still? The other thing is you may not want to press your new adventures onto the people that you love. This happens in the Czech community often. You know, they go from d- drinking Diet Cokes and eating McDonald's to eating organic food and water. And then they go, family, you have to follow suit or you're a sheep. And <laughs> it creates conflict. <laughs> and so first you have to discern whether this works for you or not. Or you're participating in another dogma. Then you have to realize, am I doing the very thing I was doing before in a different, in a different costume? And so mm. when you start realizing, okay, I'm going to go practice this. And if this works, I won't have to say a word. People will go, what are you doing? They'll inquire. That's why there's a joke. How do you know, um, how do you know someone's vegan? Oh, don't worry. They'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and the same thing with CrossFit. How do you know someone does CrossFit? They'll tell you, you know, Um, and, and so that's the thing. When you start getting into these limiting beliefs, you have to affirm yourself by getting other people's approval that 
okay, this way that I'm thinking is benefiting me somehow. Versus when you're not in a dogma, but living your truth and practicing these things over and over and you realize and you affirm to yourself that it's working, you won't have to use word, words. It'll, it'll resonate out through you. It'll vibrate through every single part of your being. And then people have no other way to inquire but to ask. And you will be that moth, that flame attracting moths. The flame doesn't find the moth. The moth finds the flame. The flame is always there, wherever it is, right? And so that's the mindset we have to get into is go practice it without causing conflict. And if you have to get affirmation from someone about your new thing that you're doing, then you're, you're still being a child about it. You're still being a, and what I mean by a child is you're, you're still trying to get a parental or a societal approval of what you're doing. Totally. And so yeah. when you become an adult in something, you don't need someone's approval and it's not out of rebellion. It's not mm. rebelling against your parents. You know, I'm going to do this because, well, someone told me to do it and I think it makes me feel better and it's different than what you're doing. <laughs> you know, it's so go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, I was going to say like kind of building off on that. Like once you start to like realize there's a problem and you try and overcome that dogma you may have relationship struggles, but I feel like that kind of the next phase is that dark night of the soul where you start to go into that like depression or anxiety phase where you're like, man, I'm changing. Everything I've learned has been a lie. I'm breaking up with my girlfriend. I'm not getting drunk anymore, doing cool things. And how do you help someone realize that they are going through like that phase of the dark night of the soul? And like, are there ways to help kind of power through that? Or, you know, maybe some of your experiences with that? I don't advise people to do what I did <laughs> um, unless they're ready for it. You know, I mean, what, what did you do? <laughs> I, I, I go crazy. I sit in my depression and I sit in my anxiety and I, I analyze and work through and I observe every inch of that space and it's painful. It sucks. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's dark for sure. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, you know, you're filtering through garbage. I mean, we're hoarding tons and tons of garbage. Think about you living in your space right now, and it's surrounded by rotting garbage. And the longer it stays there, the more it rots. And so, if if you're going through mm. something like that, you have to clear some of these things that don't serve you out. And part of that is people. And you're not throwing away people. You're you're you know, they're not garbage. It's your, your own unique expression that vibrates, you know, uh, like attracts, like, you know, find your vibe, find your tribe, all that stuff, you know? And then that's where it gets a little bit dangerous. Um, because you can spiritually bypass everything that you're doing and, you know, um, so it's not so much, how do you, you know, power through or it's being brave enough to look into the darkness and remember, there's no, there's no, there's no rush. It's as soon as you want it, and it can happen instantly. It can happen as instantly as you stop in the car and turning it around and changing directions. It could be like you could be sitting in your car, and depression, in a sense, the way it's visualized in my head is think about driving your car, realizing you're going like you're starting to realize that you're getting further away from where you need to be, 
And you're like, these people told me there's going to be trees, and I, all I see is sand. And you go, well, maybe if I drive some more, I'll get, I'll get, I'll see trees. Maybe if I drive some more, I'll, I'll see trees, and all you see is more sand and more sand, and the road behind you is getting more, like everything is starting to disappear. And you're starting to think, fuck, well, you know, that turn was like months ago, and I'm still years ago, and I'm still going down the same road fuck, what do I do? You know? Yeah. And it's having that bravery <laughs> to stop the car, turn around, or I guess in this metaphor, you can turn left at any point, you know, but in this, in the driving analogy, it would have to be <laughs> here. So if we can follow along with that, so you would have to stop the car and go, um, I, I can't go in this direction any further because it's causing me too much pain, uncertainty, yeah. depression, and find people that you do resonate with. And don't believe everything you hear because most people haven't taken the time to discern everything that's in their head and have discernment. Okay, you know what? I'm going to try that a little bit and do the same thing of how to not overcome dogmas. Okay, try this, try this, try this, try this. And if it works, you'll notice your life change drastically. And then you may find some relief and then back and forth. So it's without having a good coach, a good mirror there to reflect things back to you of your own insanity and to go, Oh, that does sound crazy when you say it out loud. I don't know why I've been doing that because it's familiar to us. And, um, when someone's going through it, the first, you know, the first thing you got to do is recognize like, Hey, my whole life isn't falling apart. It's falling into place somewhere else. You know, mm. because your construct is falling apart. Mm -hmm. But if we subscribe to energy can't be uh, created nor destroyed, only transformed, then nothing yeah, falls awesome. apart. It's falling into place somewhere else. And if I didn't go through the things I went yeah. through, if you look back anywhere in your life, if you made any other turn, you wouldn't be where you are now. Yep. And so nothing happens on accident. And so if your soul's purpose you only discovered at 50 years old, then hey, it took you 50 years to get there, but think everything around you that you got there. So now you've experienced 50 years of your life doing one thing, and now you get to experience another 50 doing it another way. So at the end of the way, it doesn't matter. You know, time is made up. So if we subscribe to that, so uh, we have time to track a process, but you know, if you subscribe to the fact that we're all eternal, since energy can't be created nor destroyed, only transformed, there is no, you know, well, he's 20 and he got there versus he's 70 and he got there. doesn't matter. You got there. Yeah. You know, and if it took you 20, 30, 40 years, mm. you know, I, I'm stubborn. I'm yes. stubborn and I'm, it got me in trouble, but it also got me here. So I've had to use the exactly. stubborn. No, and it's never too late. Never too late. Yeah, it's never too late to start that journey. No, that's and the that's, cool thing. That's the thing. Well, and that, that makes me think of... Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it just makes me think of what you were saying earlier with all the work you and Sarah are doing on, the, you know, on your property. There's a lot of unseen forces going on that people are sensing. And this, all the stuff you're describing, those are they're unseen energies that are they're felt. So can you break down the seen versus the unseen and what's what's going on there, whether it be 
me doing something and then Matt feeling it or or even just on an individual basis those unseen forces if I can bring bring you guys to like a let's let's for e- for visualization before I smash this chart apart if we, <laughs> if we break the 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 pie chart into the holistic model mental emotional physical spiritual the only thing on that pie chart that can be physically touched is physical the rest mm. is felt and experienced so let's let's subscribe to the fact that that 75% of what we experience on a moment by moment basis is, is unseen and on that pie chart 25% that we can physically t- touch so if we once we have that in place then we look at and go okay well if the anatomic structure of an atom is 99.99999 i think it's the 7th power or ninth power space that means we are nothing but point zero 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 one percent physical matter which is the boundary that create is created by the atom that when light which has no matter it hits us and we reflect that light into whatever you know when we bounce off the light that um that is refracted colors right colors hit and whatever is not that color that can't be absorbed it gets reflected so this this thing called light that has mm. no matter hits our uh atomic structure and creates physical matter that we can't pass through right because we've subscribed to that and uh so when we take this 25 percent, it's it's actually less than that so we're playing with yeah. 99.99999% of stuff that we're, we think we know. And that's all, and that's not even the stuff that we see and experience on a daily basis. So there's, I can't, I can't even wrap people's mind around how much we don't see. And we only have five senses that we can use on a regular basis. And everything else that we experience is, is non-sensory. So let's let's yeah. pull back and realize that most of the stuff that we experience and that we've placed our conditioning and our faith and belief in, you can't even it's not even one percent of existence. Yeah. And that's that's some of the biggest flaws with Western medicine and you know, going through school and studying this stuff, it's like you look into research papers and if you can't quantify it in Western medicine, it's not real. You know, so if you can't measure it, if you can't physically see it, if you can't graph it or, you know, chart it, then it's, it's not real. And this is from my experience with like Navajo medicine men and Navajo medicine women is in these ceremonies, you feel things and you have visions and you, you realize stuff that isn't seen, you know? And so like that's, you know, when you look at traditional healing in Western medicine, that's the biggest thing is like Western medicine is only focusing on like what you said, 25% of it and only a small fraction of that is real. Whereas traditional healers, traditional cultures was dealing with the other 75%, that unseen force. Yeah. Mm. So that's, that's crazy. And I've never heard it explained like that. So thank you. That's Yeah, amazing. you're welcome. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? I was going to say something about, uh, I can't remember, whatever, we'll move on. Well, so with, so what are some of the tools that you've used to venture into the unseen? What are some of the things that have gotten you, whether, you know, we're happy to talk about psychedelics or meditation or whatever 
you know, whatever's gotten you there to be like, oh, okay, I, not only did I believe this, now I feel it. Now it's a real thing. So a lot of things, since I don't really subscribe, to, I remember what I was going to say. Uh, when people like have this idea towards attachment, towards physical things, and if you can't quantify it, it's not real. Like, if you have kids, how do you, how do you feel about your kids? You can't mm. touch it. You can touch them. You can say, oh, I can hug you. But that doesn't measure how much you love them because people beat their kids while loving them. So there's like, okay, well, now that's weird because now we get into this physical structure, but you're not seeing what's not seen. And how do you quantify your imagination? And they quantify it through brain you know, mapping and stuff like that. But how do you quantify love? You know, How do you quantify uh, your emotional state? Not on a brainwave scale because those change. And yes, you can map them out, but that doesn't really necessarily tie into how the person feels about every single stimulus that comes through. But all those things are unseen, you know? Yeah. And even things that are unseen now, they can map out auric fields, which is really nice. Before, you couldn't see them unless you were uh, really in tune and wired for that. But now that they are creating fo- like photographs that can capture people's auras and things like that, now people are like, oh, that is real. Yeah, they've been saying that for a long time. And to answer your question about like how do you see the unseen is um, – you know, have that childlike wonder. I've seen things happen that people told me that can't happen. And, uh, once I, once I see it, I'm not going to tell myself that I didn't see it because I saw it, Mm. you know, like for example, I went to neurosomatic educators, which is a manual therapy, a really intense manual therapy school. And we were, we're, you know, we're working on things like carpal tunnel and, you know, scoliotic patterns and pains that, uh, you know, you don't cure them. God forbid you say that, you know, but all of a sudden as you observe the person and you do the mechanical steps to go through these processes, hmm, the symptoms gone. I don't know what happened, but they're gone. And then you go into a massage therapy school and they, the first thing they tell you is, you know, I, I, I remember this vividly. You go in and they tell you, they ask you, why are you here? And they, and some people are like, my dad has carpal tunnel and I want to learn how to fix it. And they go, Oh, that's sad. You can't fix carpal tunnel but I'm glad you're here. And I'm, I'm like listening to this instructor one by one yeah. break everyone's heart and ruin and close them into a box. I'm going, what the fuck? <laughs> why are we? Yeah, why are we that's crazy. Yeah, I'm Seriously. like, why are you even here? Go go somewhere else. Go search for other answers. Yeah. And, I'm, and when, I, when I interviewed there and they're like, why do you want to be here? I go, I'm here for the piece of paper to allow me to do this. I'm not here to learn new things. You know, and I did learn how to apply lotion on people. I learned some cool effleurance techniques that were really nice. And um, but most of the stuff I was I was training the staff there about techniques that like why are you doing that? Like let's let's open up your belief system here. Like I don't want to learn this. I'm sitting here. I'm stuck here. I might as well share something with you. You know, and um, so first is accepting, I guess that childlike wonder and going back into that childlike wonder state that people were in and open up to the possibility that it can exist. Cause if you tell yourself it can't, uh, I like that Henry Ford quote, you know, whether you think you can or can't, you're right. So if you tell yourself mm. you can't, you're right, you know, and you're, and then hopefully someone might come by in your path. And if you're, if you're innately, supposed to see those things someone will come up to your face 
and open your eye and blow your world apart. But that's why when people take psychedelic medicines, they fracture their psyches because they're so limited. They're so ingrained in the box that when someone even lifts a veil for a second and they see what's possible, it shatters them. And then that person goes and, you know, people with other limiting beliefs go, oh, look what happened to Ted over here, you know? Don't do that, what Ted over here did, you know? Let's stay in our box. So, mm. you know, medicines helped, but at the same time, if you're, you know, you have to go into these things knowing, all right, whatever comes out of this is going to come out of this, and I can't fully reject it, but whatever visions I see, like, there are some things that I tell people, I'm like, like, uh, hey, if you're going to go drop acid in public and you see something popping up through your system, like, and you see, like, a pink elephant running around, remind yourself that you created it or it's there. You picked it up, but you're in a different plane of existence and wherever you are is safe unless hopefully you have people around you that are like, oh, that pink elephant is actually a semi-truck you know, that you're running into. But if you're in your house, you know what I mean? If you're in your house hanging out and you see something like a dolphin flying through, like remind yourself, Hey, it's safe. And my psyche is opening to things that I've never thought was possible. And, but if you freak out that there's something in your room and you limit yourself even further, first of all, it's going to be a wild ride. So <clears throat> opening yourself to the possibility that I can't know what I don't know. And I'm willing to open myself up to that because why, why am I taking this in the first place, you know, with medicine mm. and going back and reflecting in your life anytime magic happened, I'll give you an example of magic. Shifting your consciousness in the moment is magic. If you're mad and you choose love that's magic. Yeah, definitely. It's mm. literal transmutation. You know, the next process is why the fuck was I mad in the first place? I need to go deal with this and see what processes caused me there. And you can be, you could be the uh, mechanic or the, um, the magician and, and you know, the, the process oriented person that goes through the steps to see what caused that trigger and re-engineer and re deconstruct that trigger and then rebuild your own consciousness network to anytime that trigger comes, recognize it and then create magic all over again. But in that process, you could be the magician and the alchemist that transmutes that thing and, and goes, you know what? I'm noticing this is coming into my life, but you know what I want? I want this to, I want this to happen in the world. And I'm going to choose that regardless of what people are. Yeah, I think. Me. Yeah, I think there's so many things that we can't control and like acknowledging that is important, but then like realizing there's so many things that we can control. And that's like what you said, like our emotions and how we pick to look at situations and whether we want to feel anger, or whether we want to laugh, whether we want to love unconditionally. And when you tap into that magician archetype, it's like, damn, holy shit, like I have a lot of control over things. Like fuck politics, fuck the economy. I don't I can't control that but I could control how much I love myself and how much I control or how much yeah. I love others. That's ultimately it, right? Like yeah. it's the only thing you really have that you can establish mastery over is your reactivity to something mm -hmm. and the way you interpret in your perspective, your doors of perception. That's it. Like it's your reality. 
And even if it's like, oh, I can control this barbell, it's like, well, no, it's like your emotional, mental, spiritual processes are allowing your physical body to control the barbell. So there's something deeper happening. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's there's something I asked you before, you know, when we were scheduling this podcast, like, hey, like, what are you interested in talking about? Are you having any ideas? And one of the things like really popped out to Matt and I, and that was archetypes in the universe. And you said how higher intelligence creates a space where ideas become real. I'd love for you to kind of get into that because that's a... That's something Matt and I love to yeah, talk me and about Nate, archetypes. We're, we're big nerds about archetypes. and yeah, yeah, so it'd be cool to hear your perspective on it. You're a perfect example. You exist because the idea of you existed. And the idea of you wants to exist, so it created you. And it had to put all the pieces together for you to exist. Your two parents had to meet, and their parents had to meet, and their parents had to meet. And then you're, you're a culmination. You're the psychic idea that wants to express itself in its own unique way in its own creative expression of the world. And once people understand that archetypes are expressions and anything that you look out into the world is a perfect expression of itself and needs to be there as happy and as sad as it is, is an archetype wanting to fulfill itself, wanting to fill itself. Mm. And it can't, you can't know who you are. You can't know, God can't know what it is unless it experiences itself through itself. Right. We need to create separation so that we can interact with each other. Like I'll give you an example. Um, when I started this whole process, I was reaching out to practitioners and I was trying to get people's ideas, trying to get people to affirm all these crazy things I was doing. And I ended up being rejected by a lot of people. I opened up my own business after getting fired and I'm sitting there working on people, working on people, doing these things, doing like, you know, people come in and they're like, I have this pain. I go, okay, I'll figure it out. And that's it. And I go figure it out. And I'd tinker with their bodies, and I'm like, okay, well, that causes this. Fuck, what is this doing? Okay, so then I would tinker with that some more, and then you know, put people in some pain, and then all of a sudden the pain would go away, and I'm like, okay, what did I do there? Okay, I did this, then that caused that. So I, I looked like, uh, have you seen that Is Always Sunny in Philadelphia meme, where he's like this, and all the lines are being connected behind him? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I felt yeah. like. And then no one affirmed me that I was doing anything right until I stepped out of my bubble. And that's when I realized, I'm like, what the hell are people doing? Mm. Like, why are they constantly doing the same thing? I'm like, isn't that what Albert Einstein said? The definition of insanity? Doing the same thing and expecting a different result, like over and over and over again. So me being locked in my box, I was unable to reflect and interact with people. So I kept pushing away at things, training my brain to think this way, going, all right, I need money. And I'm really good at this one thing. So how can I get more people so I can give them something valuable in exchange I can feed myself and actually learn more about the thing that I want to learn, you know? And so it wasn't until Mm. I was able to reflect with people as to what actually I've been creating. And the whole time I'm thinking, I hope this is fucking good. I hope this is good. I hope this is, you know, something valuable because you know you could spend 10 years creating complete shit you know and so i'm like 
trying my hardest to make this happen. So the archetype is expressing itself through you and we're interacting with two, with maybe of the same archetype and we're budding in ideas and we're polarizing each other or we're, we're, we're harmonizing with each other. So the it's on a fundamental level, it's an idea. And like we talked about the archetype of the hero versus the business person. If you put a healer into the doctoral system and you put a business person into the doctoral system, you're going to get two very different human beings expressing themselves through the archetype or the profession of a doctor. Two archetypes mm. want to merge into that same practice and you're going to get two different results out of that. One is in harmony or more in harmony. One is not in harmony. And that person that's a business person forcing its way to a lucrative profession that is not meant for them has more health problems. Now let's say this person that is a healer forcing their way into a, uh, you know, flying through this profession that needs to be changed from the inside and gets sick and is forcing his way through it or her way through it. They're being sustained by love and anything done out of love is sustainable. And if they die, it's happiness. They're, they've, they've died fulfilled. They've died for a cause. Versus a self-induced indulgence. A selfishness. Mm. And after, let's, let's even say, after you have become 18, because that's when we agreed upon a society that you will no longer become a child, right? You can do shit, buy cigarettes. I think cigarettes is 21 now. You can make your own decisions. You go to college. You can get kicked out of your house. You're an adult. After that happens, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, you talk about the healers forcing their way into something, sustaining from love or sustaining from ah, selfishness. Thank you. After you are 18, you have left this selfishness zone. People that are sick need to be selfish. They can't give to other people or else they die. Right? If a person that has cancer doesn't focus on themselves and they're always out there doing something, not taking care of themselves, they die. If a child is doing constantly something for other people, unless they're learning from it, right? Ultimately, Whenever they have a need, that need comes first. I need mm. I need your love. And that's the adult's responsibility to provide that. Because they're going, hey, I, I've run out. I need more. Can I have some more, please? Because they haven't learned how to generate themselves. And as parents, we're there to teach them, hey, do what you love. And then if you let love drive you and you have enough love, and we instill how you the practices how to create love in your own being in your own psyche, you will be able to love yourself. And if you love yourself, that will sustain you. Not mm. getting constantly the approval of others, which is they're giving you food, right? You're coming in going, hey, can I have, can I have some love, ha uh, you know, food? Yep, here you go. Here you go. You know what? I don't like that. I'm going to withhold from that. I'm going to withhold love from you. And then now you're going to feel the pain until you can do what I want. It's manipulation. That's why the first thing to being sovereign and free is to love yourself, first and foremost. 
And you can love mm-hmm. yourself enough by getting Definitely. yourself out of a dogma, by getting yourself out of you know your conditioning. And the archetypes are, are, are what we want to experience in this life. Heroes, lovers, fighters, you know, uh, bank, uh, bankers and, and pharmacists and, you know, the kings and the f- fathers and the mothers and the, 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 the child, the, child yeah. the prostitutes, you know, yeah. all it was evolved. Yeah, no, it was uh, HLC2 for me when we had an assignment where we had to like identify our three archetypes or our three dominant archetypes and like write about them and tell how they've been like a part of our life. And like it was like the third or fourth day and like I I went back to where I was staying and I spent like all night working on it. And like I still have that assignment and I I, reflect on it a lot. And so I think for people to look at their dominant archetypes and acknowledge them and be like, damn, I've been living this way for so long. Then it kind of enables change to occur. But that, that assignment was life-changing for sure. What were your Looking archetypes? At archetypes uh, it was the hunter, the warrior, and the anarchist. Mm. It was after I got out of the military. And um, yeah, I was, I was a hardcore anarchist. I hated the government. And that, that <laughs> for me was being hard because I was in the Marines. And being an anarchist in the Marines, is it's like conflicting and like you're doing what you're told but you you hate the system and i felt like a fucking attack dog you know like that hated its master but i did it because i was like so trained and so conditioned for it and um the hunter just you know being a hunter my whole life and i I loved that archetype and then the warrior because i was trying to fight everything and i was trying to fight myself and yeah that assignment was really heavy i I, it brought tears in my eyes that night and i was just like fuck you know <laughs> it was it was heavy so I, I think that anyone listening look into that try that assignment on yourself like look in and and write about your three archetypes so yeah have you reevaluated those where you are i have now? i have um right now i feel like i'm tapping over the past couple of years i've found that I've, I've tapped into the lover archetype I've been able to really like truly make love and sit with it and and love others. Um, I'm trying to tap more into the magician archetype, trying to change because my goal is to change the health healthcare system because it's fucked right now, and I want to be a part of that, and that's why I'm going to school for it. And I think I'm still the hunter for sure. Mm. Yeah, me and Nate are out. That's a big part of our life now, mm. and. Um, it's a sacred archetype to me and it's what my ancestors did. My mother, she's full Navajo and it's something that I want to continue doing my whole life. And so, yeah, I think the hunter, the lover and the magician. And that, that to me is a lot, a lot better than the warrior and the arch- anarchist right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So I like yeah. that. Yeah. I like that. The, um, the hunter is beyond only hunting, you know, exactly. It's, it's, Talk about seeing the unseen. You walk into a place where you can't see a physical thing and then you have to use all of your senses and then rely on non-sensory when you're like, oh, there's no tracks, there's no smells, there's no broken twigs. I can't hear anything. Where the heck is this thing? And then you go, if I was a deer, where would I be? Or if I was a this thing, yeah. where would I go? How do they think? Oh, they hide by bushes. Okay. Now let's shape shift and go. Okay, this is where I would go if I was a deer. Uh, if I was this thing. Okay, go, go. Hey, there's one by a bush. Wonderful. <laughs> you know, 
And so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And then that applies to everything. Okay. Well, how do I, you know, what, what, what am I not being told? How do I hunt for the truth? How do I hunt for, you know, safety? How do I hunt for, you know, people in my life that are, you know, there as a resource who can help me hunt, you know, who gives me the tools to hunt better. And then, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's beautiful. And I, I think another heavy area to get into is like the shadow archetypes, you know, yeah. so it's like you got the lover, but then you got like the impotent lover and mm. then you got like the magician and then you got like the dark magician, you know, someone that's like trying yeah. to like manipulate others for their control. Sauron. Yeah, yeah, seriously. And like Sith guys, you know, and like that to me is like the Jedi and the Sith, you know, it's like you got mm. badass dudes with lightsabers that are trying to do good and badass dudes with lightsabers that are trying to like control everybody. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, and, well, and that all like before we go down another wormhole with this, but that is the Tao, you know, that's duality. Yeah. Like those energies exist in fluctuation yeah. all the time. And and then I think it's helped me a lot because as an anarchist, I used to hate politicians and I like despised them and I was like, fuck those people. But now I look at them with love and, and almost sadness. Like I look at Donald Trump as an impotent lover. I'm like, man, that's so sad. He And can't. a wounded child. Yeah, and a wounded child. It's like, man, this poor child can't love. Like he can't, he can't, you know, tap into his heart. And these politicians that are like corrupt and stuff, it's like, man, they they're, they don't realize what they're missing. I feel bad for them. So I've, I've been able to change my outlook by understanding the shadow archetypes. It's like, man, like... So I think it's really powerful work. Mm -hmm. And then you can also like observe people. Like if you're seeing like a pissed off dude at the grocery store, be like, man, he's just being a kid. Like, it's okay. Just let him do his thing. Like you can't, and and it it makes you a child if you interact with them. And like, if you bring yourself to that level. Mm -hmm. So it's helped me with conflict management and um, it's changed my outlook on jujitsu. So now I train jujitsu with that love archetype where before doing MMA, it's like, I just wanted to be badass and fight and hurt people and stuff. It's like, now I'm like there to, better myself and have close intimate contact with other humans and like it's there to just it's it's a whole different outlook so it's it's really helps me to acknowledge the shadow archetype and acknowledge my shadows as well mm-hmm. yeah so. i like i like what you said nate with uh, it being the Tao. and you know if we if we live in a society that was primarily people like us there would still be people out there that would like to manipulate the system and you know be greedy and it's balance it's how you know that's as long as consciousness exists, consciousness is going to want to play out. And so there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's this unrealistic good vibes thought where, why can't we all do this? But if we all do this, somewhere else is complete shit. It has to, it has <laughs> yeah. to work. Yeah. You know? So it, exactly. Matt, and and that yeah Matt and I talked about this the other day though Matt and I talked about this the other day and I was like man if we reach like this perfect utopian society and then Matt's like yeah then it gets hit by an asteroid <laughs> like, <laughs> you know the chaos has to represent itself in some way yeah. yeah the chaos has to be there yeah and if we constantly always want the good and we're afraid to see the bad then we have no growth you know if, if the mm. you know like in in permaculture and biodynamic farming you know yeah, when we have springtime. Perfect example. Things are growing, but then nothing grows in the wintertime. But that's when the soil regenerates itself. And so, if you hate winter, well, and winter never comes, then the soil doesn't regenerate yeah, itself. Seriously. And you're gonna, you're not gonna yeah. have vegetables to grow in the spring. So there needs exactly. to be. No, I there's. Go ahead. 
Well, you you see this in well, you see this like in Colorado. We're about to get like a five foot snowstorm. It's like sixty five degrees out today. Yeah, and so we're <laughs> so starting tomorrow night. We're you know we're expected to get five feet over the weekend, which Matt and I are like, yeah, we're stoked on it. We're excited. And then, but when you talk about it, you know, you're doing your small talk bullshit at the grocery store or whatever. People are like, oh my gosh, I, like, why does it have to happen? They're like, complain about it. I'm like, you realize we had enormous forest fires all last summer because we didn't have giant snowstorms in the wintertime. So it's like, we need this. Like, this is part of it. And so it just, it kind of drives me crazy, like the comfort level of people feeling inconvenienced by nature. I was like, do you know how good you have it? 10,000 years ago, if you're in a five-foot snowstorm, you're hunkered down in a tiny teepee with all your homies, and you're like, okay, who's hunting today? None of us want to do it. <laughs> like, yeah. it's a, And now you can at least sit in your house. And even if you don't have power, you still have, probably have 30 blankets and a bed and like all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I'll give you a And little, so that's just... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I'm done. I was, I was going to tell you a small on story. We, uh, we lived in a small subdivision before we moved to this house. And uh, so... This, this, I think it was a billionaire funded. I don't know how they even got this, but some billionaire funded some small, bought a small plot of land, and some farmer was like, "Hey, can we work this land? And uh, we're going to regenerate the soil and help people, and we're going to start a farmers market." The guy was like, "Yeah, sure, tax write off, whatever." So these farmers got together. They like built this in the back of our neighborhood. It was amazing. It was walking distance. We had a, we had a literally a farm to market in the same place and mm. people were like the chickens are loud you know that you know this is annoying and then so then they're like hey we're gonna bring people in rvs and we're gonna teach them how to farm then our neighbors were like rv park what do you mean rv park you're bringing transients into our town and we're like <laughs> they're starting a farming school Damn. and they didn't want to see it so then they shut the rv park down no one could learn farming the next thing is they started doing composting. So they shut the farm down, by the way, since our neighbors oh, said so against it. And we would go there for like six months, I think to a year, and get fresh eggs, get vegetables that they grew there in our backyard. And are basically within 15-minute walk or a 30-second car ride, we can get vegetables from farm to neighborhood. So then they started composting, and they started a mm. compost yard. And they were taking – all of these vegetables that people like consumers were throwing out uh, grocery stores are throwing out and they're composting it and, and giving it back to regenerative farming. They started complaining about the smell. And, you know, once you go oh to my God, system, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so once you, once you realize God, that the smell carries that bacteria and is free probiotics for your gut, Instead of these soy candles you're smelling or whatever garbage you're smelling in your house, you know, these fabricated air fresheners, this is natural, uh, naturally occurring probiotics and enzymes, bacteria that are pollinating your gut that's helping you digest food. I remember, so with that backstory, I remember walking my dog and this lady walking by and going, can you imagine? It smells like shit here. What are they doing over there? And I look at her, I go, I love that smell. That smell pollinates my gut and helps me digest my food, and I don't really notice it. And watching her brain stop for a second and going, oh, but because I was so centered in my demeanor, it shook her because all of our neighbors are, were talking about it. And I'm like, what are you guys complaining about? 
And so when people, anytime someone wants to make, engage in small talk with me, I'll engage small talk back, but with what I'm thinking. <laughs> and so totally. my constitution is pretty unshakable in that sense. So if someone's complaining about, you know, whatever it is, you know, the, the smell in the air and it's, you know, from grass fed cow manure, I go, I'm going to tell them what I think. You want to engage? I'll engage too. But if we're insecure with ourselves and we don't have enough self-love for ourselves, you know, I don't know what that lady must be thinking now. Uh, you know, planted the seed in in the nice compost yeah, that's in the air, and so at least one person in her life is not an echo chamber. And so, um, you know, and if I agreed with her, I would have agreed with her, but I didn't. You know, yeah, <laughs> and totally. so, and you can still disagree without being confrontational. You know, yeah, yeah. You did it in a good way, and like yeah, that's awesome. Anytime I've noticed, yeah, it's before, about being grounded in who you are. Anytime yeah. I notice people being confrontational, it's when they're insecure about what they know. Exactly, man. Are you yeah. are you sharing or are you trying to convince me, which is a projection, and you're really trying to keep convincing yourself that what you're doing isn't working? And then after you establish that, then, you know, dude, cool. Keep drinking Diet Coke for all I care. Go ahead. You're not, I'm not going to have to convince myself. I don't want to convince you. Do it or you don't. Like, and my, my answer is, let me know how that works out for you. Yeah. You know? Just lead by example. Yeah. yeah. Well, so before before we wrap up, um, we have a couple of things. I mean, I want to talk a little bit about your the Primal Pride community that you've been working on, and it seems like that's your big project right now. And, you know, where can people connect with you personally if they want to work with you or see what you're up to? So let's go into that for a second. So... I don't know when this is going to be released or whatever, or, or so I'm going to give you two things. Our current website is primalfusionhealth.com. Okay. And it's always going to be linked. So that's always the base route. And until we link it to the new site. So the new site is going to be called the primalpride.com. And what I've noticed is helping people. It takes a lot of uh, resources to work with me for, uh, for an extended period of time. And what I've been, what's been eating at my soul is how many people have been reaching out to me, uh, checkies to people, to people who've heard me on podcasts, and and you know, I'm, I'm, it, it eats at me every time I can't answer the question completely. And so, I'm, I'm I've been wondering how do I get to more people, give them the real answer, and still put food in my kids' mouths and a roof over our head and keep building what we're building. And so I don't know if you guys know who Mike Bledsoe is, but um, he, he's, <laughs> we just had him on. Oh, so he's a client of mine. Yeah. And he's nice. been he's been a client of mine for a very long time, so he's kind of experienced what I've been doing. And he, he came and stayed at our, at our guest house, and now he lives in Austin. He lives, you know, He moved here, stayed with us. Now he's living here. And in that time, he's sitting there going, "How can I help you?" Because he's a business coach. I'm going, "How can I help you?" You know, and I'm, you know, we're we're, we're ch- chatting back and forth, and he goes, "I think I figured out how to help you." And uh, no one understands what you do, and no one's willing to pay high, high ticket unless they know what you do. So, let me help you figure out how to help the masses, so that way you can at least help people to share this information that you know. So we started a community page. It's a social network style page off of social networks, off of social media. It's our own private network of people that have 
that are paying monthly to be in. And they're in a group full of coaches, people, farmers, musicians, people who are want to discern this information, everything we've talked about here today, who is able to, who wants, who is able to think and wants to be able to walk into a place and not need to defend themselves, have the confidence, the, the drive to pursue what's true for them. Because then you're, constitution in your mind is unshakable like we were talking about at the end there what i've noticed is you know you can't convince a lion he's a he's a zebra a lion knows he's a lion and so that's why we call it the primal pride is because a pride is a group of lions is a, is a community of lions and so that travel together and so here we are we need more lions throughout this Around, around, through the through the through the earth, and you know, I've heard this being floated around many many times. Is uh, it's time to wake up the sleeping lions, and so once we have more of those mm. free thinkers in the community, you can you can't convince them otherwise. You can share information, and then they choose to act on it. And so, people who are lions, they go. Oh, this information makes sense. I do this now. Oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. Why? Why, why have I kept do? Why have I kept doing this my whole life? Perfect sense. Let's change the way we function. And this could be applied in this area. So we're thinking. We're able to think. And so, what I start. What what part of this community is? You get two hours a week with me to jump on a call and ask me whatever question you want. And that conversation, I get to speak to you fully and then is recorded and archived in the community. So what ends up happening over time is we start discerning questions because once they give you a concept around your question, you can't ask me a simple question anymore. You have to evolve your question. And that shatters belief systems. That shatters the way we do things. And so... When you start asking better questions, like, for example, when people come to me and they go, uh, why am I sick? You know, why am I overweight? I go, that's a bad question. A better question is, what got you here? What are you doing that's throwing your body out of balance? Let's look into that. Because we know why you're sick, right? You know why you're sick. Now let's see the things that you're not seeing. What do you think got you sick? Let's look through your diet. Oh, here's some things that got you sick. So we need to start evolving the questions that people are asking because they're too simplistic. They're too, you know, they're too broad and you can't, you can't quite answer them completely. And then when you do answer them, they go, oh, I know the entirety of the subject you asked me and then I'm going to go run with this thing. And then they're still going to be sick and wondering why they're sick. So this is what we've built this thing. Let's talk. Mm. And I want trainers. I want coaches. I want people in there. Because if you're working with a coach, your coach better be able to think. And if you're paying a coach, you better know your coaches should be asking you these questions. And thinks in a way that they can discern information is not pushing dogma on you. So we're building some strong, effective thinking people. And once you can think effectively, 
you know what you, you there's no shaking that unless you're presented with enough information to evolve and upgrade your life. The other part mm. of the community is when people come in, I would take hours with them to break down their dream, their values, their archetypes, all these things. But the platform allows us to build courses into the platform. So now you can self-study these courses, hop on a call, ask me a question, put it in the topic, engage with people that have already done this material, have your question answered. And then when you hit a roadblock, take it to office hours and we have a conversation. That conversation is recorded and we archive it. And then we archive it and we archive it and we build this sacred library of discerned information that people can learn from at their own pace. And one of my dreams is to make it inconsumable. So that way you have to use your own discernment after you've completed the certain beginning steps to go, what do I want to learn? Who do I want to mentor under? What kind of information do I want to provide to the world? Or then what kind of information do I want to give back? So that way we can keep growing as a community together. So this is what I'm, you know, Sarah and I, and it's not, it's not only me, it's Sarah's a part of it too. So we're going to go, we, there is no stone left unturned because, you know, we were like, how are we going to sell each course? And then the word funnels kept popping up and we were both banging our head, head against the wall because we're not tech people. We're like, we, we only want to help people and we don't want to market 18 different things. So we put all of our mm. services into one thing. You get all of our, you get most of our courses. Sorry, should, should be specific. You get some of our courses there that are potent, self-studied. You know, you could people that come soon can do it live, and that'll be a very special gift that that only people that are new can get. Um, and then come to office hours, and whatever question you have, I know people have these same questions. You know how I know is because in private, they ask the same questions and I repeat myself over and over again. And so the community has no judgment, no blame, no shame, or else we can't help each other. And so once, mm. once I don't, That's- I don't, advi- I don't, I don't handle trolling very well. You know what? You don't want to learn. Here's your money back. Leave. Go, go on Facebook. There's plenty of trolling there. You know, Enjoy. That's beautiful, brother. Yeah, that's an amazing that's an amazing platform. I'm nice. excited to look into it. That's Primal Pride. Theprimalpride.com, okay. yeah. Nice. Awesome. Um, and then like in closing, our final question that we're asking everybody is what's one thing, you know, practice, teaching, whatever you would recommend someone do to immediately impact their day, week, or year for the better? I, I see this roulette in my head, this, this, this wheel. It's like, learn to belly breathe. Oh yeah. Okay. Belly breath for sure. If you can learn to belly breathe, you can immediately go into parasympathetic state, which is not a fight, flight, freeze response. You can know you, you learn to nose breathe, you learn to belly breathe and you can pretty much, alchemize anything in your body digest better respond to things better and uh keep your body properly oxygenated Um, so if you can get a proper belly breath without engaging your neck or breathing through your mouth every time you breathe 
it becomes a little easier and then a lot easier. <laughs> and then when you get challenges, yep, totally magical. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on guys. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. No, this was great talking to you and, uh, really glad that you're creating something beautiful down there in Austin and hopefully we get to come check it out soon. I want to start up my game in the check system. So might be there soon. Hopefully. Yeah. Come down yeah. to Austin. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. Yeah. Please. And if you're ever out, in, if you're ever out in the Colorado area, we're up here as well. So yeah. hell yeah. Well, I'm kind of, when you said five foot snowstorm, I don't know if you guys saw my Instagram when, when we had snowmageddon here, I was bitching to pull my snowboard out. So, you know, we had uh, Mike, Mike had a, has a truck with all wheel, with a uh, snow, snow tires. And you pulled me through my neighborhood on my snowboard. And when you said five foot snowstorm, my, my first thought was, I wish I could be over there right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Shredding powder, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm going to get it's on the mountain fun. soon. Yeah. So you're making me jealous, you know, but in well, time. Well, you understand the value of the snow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex, well, thank, thank you, you so again much. and um, look forward to what, what's coming your way and our way. So, yeah. hell yeah. Yeah, Thanks. beautiful. Thanks, guys. Thank you.